0: Something God alone can see. I invite you to stand as we continue worshiping today in the reading of the word of God. May the Holy Spirit open our ears and our eyes to what Jesus is saying to us today. Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 21. Now, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then, there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, "Woman." You are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue was indignant because Jesus had cured her on the Sabbath. kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, All his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. Jesus said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what should I compare it? It is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what should I compare the kingdom of God? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The gospel of our Lord. Men, you can be seated. So in this season the time after Christmas, and even including Lent, we will be focusing on parables. It's been a few weeks now. And and you might be thinking, well, where's the parable in the text today? That is a great question if you thought that. Good eye, good listening. So what I read to you today is obviously a story, an account of Jesus, and it's followed by what's called similitudes, Like if you remember from grammar in in junior high, metaphors and similes, right? It's a simile where Jesus makes a comparison as a tool for teaching. So really, I'll be honest, it's not really a parable, but it is included in Klein Snodgrass' giant book on parables. So there you have it. So let's look at the story first. Jesus goes to the synagogue to teach. Now, most towns would have had a gathering place for Jewish people uh, in in which they would teach and discuss Hebrew scriptures. Here's a photo of a reconstructed temple in Nazareth, and, and scholars believe it likely would have been much more colorful than this, so you'll have to do that in your imagination. And so Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and then the text says, behold, a woman if you imagine with me that this is a stage play, we could imagine it happening here. And while Jesus is teaching, the spotlight is on him, but then suddenly it's on a woman in the crowd. And, and so we're surprised that she's, she's noticed she's not dressed like a main character. Her, her clothes are maybe sort of dull, gray, ill-fitting. She's quiet. She hasn't said anything. She probably hasn't even moved. But the spotlight is suddenly on her and and the audience, the readers of this, us, we kind of gasp because we feel bad. This woman is not right. She is bent over. That's what the text says. She has been bent over for 18 years and that's repeated twice. That's important. Commentators speculate that she probably has ankylosing spondylitis. I had to practice saying that. Uh, It's a type of arthritis in the spine. So here's a photograph, an early photograph of someone from the 19th century, Leonard Trask, who was diagnosed with this disease. So look at this and imagine how challenging and painful, it's a painful disease. It would be to live a normal life. It would be challenging to look a loved one in the eye. You couldn't look up in the sky in the summertime and and see the clouds floating by. Or you couldn't see the stars on a clear October night. Your face would be permanently, permanently downcast. Behold, a woman. And we see her, but it is quite hard for her to see us. But as the text shows us, this isn't simply a physical malady. Luke describes her as crippled by a spirit. And then Jesus says that Satan has bound her. Now, usually in the Gospels, we have two kinds of healings. We have exorcisms, healing from demonic possession, and then physical maladies. And usually they're separate. But in this story, they are mixed together. And Luke is emphasizing the spiritual influence over her physical illness. Her physical condition is really a manifestation of the Satan's dominion in the world. They're connected. That's a problem. It's a problem for her. But the solution is coming. And it begins with Jesus seeing her. Jesus sees her. And then he calls her, woman. Hey, you there listening, come forward. And she does. And like Jesus had spoken about in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4 with his mission of proclaiming freedom to the prisoners, he frees this woman from bondage to this illness. He says to her, woman, you, and, and that, that's not a pejorative way of speaking. The, you know, lady, <laughs> ma'am, you are set free from your infirmity. You are freed. You are released. And then he puts his hands on her, and immediately, the text says, immediately she straightens up. Imagine that picture of Leonard Trask, right, going from being bowed down. Maybe we hear some cracking. And she is raised up. People might have heard some sounds and cracks as her spine went back into place. And now she's standing upright with her head on her shoulders, her eyes looking at Jesus, seeing him eye to eye, face to face. And immediately she begins to praise God. Can you imagine that moment? Like maybe people are rubbing their eyes, like, did I really just see this? Did this just happen? And maybe if she has family members there, which she likely could have, they are filled with joy. That this woman who they love, that her pain and her shame is gone. And, and a little party breaks out in the synagogue. But this, then the guy in charge, sometimes he's called like the, the synagogue president. <laughs> he, he starts to complain. He doesn't like this. He clears his throat and he uses his Bible to make a point. And he said, hey, folks, that was out of order. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Healing is work, hard work. Come on one of the other six days to be healed. We don't do that sort of thing here. We never have. And then, in Luke's account, first of all, he stops calling Jesus Jesus and starts calling him the Lord. That's important. He calls him the Lord. And then the Lord says, you actors. That's what hypocrites means. You actors. All of us care on the Sabbath. We care for our animals. We lead them to water. We're not cruel people. And, and should not this woman, this precious daughter of our father Abraham, bound by Satan for 18 years, shouldn't she be set free to flourish? And the leaders have nothing to say. They're humiliated they're put to shame but everyone else is delighted they're rejoicing in all the wonderful things Jesus is doing and then Jesus continues to teach and he focuses on the kingdom of God here's where we get to the similitudes the similes Jesus said therefore what is the kingdom of God like and to what should I compare it It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what should I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. I imagine, and this is conjecture, but... I imagine as Jesus is saying these things, he's looking at that woman. Perhaps in her infirmity, she has been unable to watch the birds in the trees. She's been unable to participate in the valuable woman's work of that time of making bread. That was considered women's work. There was a division of labor. And now, today, starting today, she can go back home, and as she walks, she can see the birds in the sky. She can make food again for her friends and her neighbors. And this is the kingdom of God. This mustard seed, this leaven, and this simile, this simile, it's a literary tool. This comparison Jesus is making, though, it helps us to understand the gospel of the kingdom of God. So I want to look at these things here. We see a pile of mustard seed. And we see some, some leaven, which is like sourdough starter. So first, we must note that these are very small things. The mustard seed is small. I have a mustard seed packet in my pocket. Um, I, I, I could open it. It has 500 seeds in it. But if I held it up, you wouldn't be able to see it from where you are. It's small. And the leaven, too, at least in contrast to the amount of flour, the leaven is small. And also these things, at least in the first century world, these are really normal things. Mustard seeds and leaven, and and mustard was used as a spice. It can be domesticated, planted in a garden, or it can be wild. It's a pretty hardy plant. And then the leaven, it's like sourdough starter. Like I said, you'd, you'd save a little bit from each batch of bread for the next batch. These things are normal. They're not fancy. They're everyday things, like socks or grocery store bags or dandelions, right? They're normal, they're accessible, they're small, but then these are things that become very large in contrast to their original size. Now, I would say, I think Jesus is using a bit of literary hyperbole here. He's exaggerating for effect. First of all, the mustard seed is literally not the smallest seed in the world, um, but it is very small, and it And it could grow really into a bush. It's not the tallest tree in the world. It's not an oak or an eastern white pine. But it does grow quite large in contrast to the beginning. And it grows big enough for birds to hide under the leaves and feast on the seeds. And then the leaven, normal. But it says in the text, three measures of flour, which maybe, if you're like me or like that, means three scoops. It does not mean three scoops. If we understand ancient measurements, it probably means 60 pounds of flour. It's a lot of flour, right? If you take 60 pounds of flour and add some leaven and knead it, which is probably going to take more than one person, that's a lot of kneading, it is going to be enough bread to feed 100 to 150 people, right? However, they start out small, normal almost, almost invisible. And what Jesus is saying is the kingdom of God is like these small things. And that's really different from how we might think of kingdoms, right? Like maybe when you think of a kingdom, you think of a giant castle or or knights on horses or, or rooms of medieval armor or a military victory, right? And in the first century, the people that Jesus was talking to they thought more along those lines. They were seeking for a change in kingdom. They were looking for a a change in regime. They are looking for a new kingdom because right now they are under the thumb of Rome. They're under the kingdom of Rome. They're surrounded by her rule, by evidence of her rule. They're seeking freedom from that. They're oppressed in a way. They're unfairly taxed. And there are at the time of Jesus, groups of people called zealots, including Simon the Zealot, one of Jesus' disciples, who were, who were part of this resistance to Rome, and they believed that the kingdom would be ushered in as a military victory. They were looking for a leader to lead their guerrilla forces against Rome. They were part of the resistance. They were activists with a willingness to sacrifice their own lives for the cause. Kingdom talk was political talk and it was this vision of the kingdom that many people had now we might not do the same thing as simon the zealot perhaps or other zealots of the time but i do think that we too lose sight of the of what jesus kingdom is like too we kind of lose jesus perspective and we put our eyes downward away from jesus description of the kingdom we look away from Jesus, and when we look away from Jesus, I think we easily lose confidence in both God's work, his faithfulness in work, and his trustworthiness. And it's, it, I, I think it's easy for this to happen. I, I don't want to judge Simon the Zealot or others at that time, right? It's easy to look around in the world in which we live and think, no way God is at work. Our perspective becomes stooped over. And this week, uh, I was at a clergy conference for our denomination. Great place to be, but I do sometimes think that a clergy conference is a wonderful way to learn about all the problems in the world. Um, we learned about hunger throughout the world in um, Afghanistan, Nigeria, Somalia, South Sudan, Yemen, how there are 7.3 million children living in food-insecure homes in the United States, that there are right now over 110 armed conflicts going on. We learned about how if we don't rest enough, we clergy can burn out pretty easily. Right? There's a lot of problems when we think about those problems, when we look out and see them and think about them. Sometimes we can lose confidence in God's work with this heaviness on our shoulders, crushing us down, stooping us over. We look down then at, at the dust and our feet and, and the mud and our, our responsibility and trying to do it ourselves. And it does make sense. These are very real problems. However, however we need to listen to Jesus' voice calling us out of the crowd because his voice is. And Jesus' words free us. They release us from that downward perspective of despair and up toward the hope that only God can provide. And Jesus uses this moment in the synagogue to point to a different vision of the kingdom because in God's kingdom, in God's reign and rule, God begins with something tiny, insignificant, and it grows. It grows silently. And it's hard to see that growth and, unless you have eyes to see it. But then suddenly, one day, the mustard seed is a plant. This handful of leaven has raised enough bread dough to feed 150 people. This unnamed, unknown quiet movement of God takes the insignificant, the overlooked, the unseen, and makes it significant and seen. And this is the movement of the reign and rule of God. This is the gospel that God is king revealed in Christ. This is a mustard plant growing, by the way. God rules and reigns in Christ. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God, and it isn't through a military victory or violence or power, but instead it is through the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, the king who is executed as a slave by the same empire that zealots like Simon wanted to overthrow. Sometimes this is called an upside-down kingdom. It's, it's surprising, but in a small way. It's a secret at first. You know, if you walk by it, when it's under the soil, nobody knows the mustard seed is there. It's overlooked like the stooped-over woman in the synagogue. It's almost invisible, and you have to have eyes to see it because it's so small. And in his parables and similitudes, similes, Jesus invites us to notice the specifics. Rather than looking out at the whole crowd in the synagogue that day and seeing all their problems, which I think Jesus could have done, he singled out one person, one woman, and he interacts with her. Rather than talking about a whole box of seed or a whole or all the leaven and all of Galilee, Jesus speaks specifically about specific things. If you look at the text, a mustard seed, one, One man who plans it. Leaven, singular. A woman, singular. The kingdom starts small. And we need Jesus' perspective to see it. And his simile shows us how. Look at the small things, the normal things. Seek to have eyes to see God at work. Here's an illustration that might help us understand this. So there's some new research, especially for you parents with younger kids, um, that suggests that spending time outside is really beneficial for kids' vision. The sunlight itself, being in the sunlight, even if it's cloudy, the sunlight itself helps to regulate eye growth, which reduces the progression of nearsightedness. It helps keep the eye the shape it needs to be. Being in the sun... In other words, helps regulate healthy vision. And so for us, we need to be in and with the son of God. That is my pastor mom joke of the day. <laughs> for our spiritual vision to be regulated and seeing As Jesus saw, looking at what Jesus wants us to look at helps us focus our own hope and confidence in God's work. Jesus invites us to look where we are, to see the kingdom of God in the mustard seed, in the leaven, and in the woman healed by Christ. As I pondered this text this week, I I noticed a huge similarity between the main three things going on, the woman, the seed, and the leaven. All of them move up. Did you notice that? There's a sort of literal growth. The the woman stands tall, looking Jesus in the eye. The mustard seed grows, making a home for birds. The bread rises in that wonderful way that that bread does as it ferments and releases carbon dioxide. And then it feeds hundreds of people. And this is the movement of the spirit, correcting and growing and providing a home Providing food, spiritual and physical, and this is a picture of flourishing. This is the kingdom of God. And this proclamation of the kingdom that Jesus gives does provide us with confidence and hope. Confidence that God is at work, even when we can't see it. Hope that God's work will reach fulfillment. The the tiny mustard seed, the little bit of leaven, it's going to do the stuff God intends for it to do. Now, I, I, I want to redeem what I said about the conference earlier. Um, it wasn't all bad news. I, I saw seeds. I saw things growing. I, I lead often, when I go to covenant events, I lead a prayer initiative. And as we gathered before each session, with between like four and seven people each time, we, we prayed for about 30 minutes, and the time went by like that. God is at work. Mustard seeds. I I visited with a pastor who had been really influential in my life during some troubling times about 10 years ago. And I was was able to say to her, thank you for your care. It helped. There has been healing. And then I saw a bird. It was a bird living inside a hotel. I think it lived there. Um, It it was like living in the indoor trees and hiding in the trees. and, And then it would go down and peck at crumbs in the carpet. Right? That was its home I thought about the birds living in the mustard plant I mean you have to have eyes to see the kingdom of God and this vision only comes from Jesus so as we conclude today I, I want to offer some questions for you to ponder uh, in our in our next response you can maybe discuss it with your rooted group write it down discuss it with your family or a spiritual friend what are small ways? You see God's kingdom at work in your life. And then, what are small things God is inviting you to do to contribute and participate in his kingdom? And we're gonna start small. I have some mustard seeds today, more than what's in this packet, and I invite you to plant one. We have a pot here. Uh, Pastor Lars is gonna move that, that one over there. And during a song, that some children are going to lead, we are going to plant some seeds. Someone once said that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. So think about that as you plant. Hear Jesus' voice proclaiming the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. The kingdom of God is among us. Let us act and hope.